This is Wondering Wanders, two ordinary guys wondering about extraordinary things. Is it replaying? You know, it's hunting, a little bit of replaying, but I've I've gone through Saturday. the replays, and now it's replaying to figure out where we should hunt the turkeys next time. AKA Saturday. Yep, probably. But uh, and just playing over and over again in my head the future of what's going to happen on Saturday in the pouring rain. Big Tom comes strutting in, doing its gobble. Well, he's gonna be drumming. Yep. And we're back, folks. Welcome back. I'm Eli. And I'm Joseph. And this is Wondering Wander. It feels like it's been ages, but it's literally been a week. We were just one day late. We were one day late. We were, this is the first time in a year that we've been a year. I was, I was like, what did we do yesterday? And then I realized. We went hunting. That's we what went turkey hunting. I thought that That's was over the weekend, yesterday. though. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, the days are really kind of blurring together. Yeah, gosh, and, which isn't uh, good because I've done very little of my work. I know. I was telling my mom... I was like, I feel really kind of aloof right now because my crockpot brain is overflowing with like <laughs> things. And so I feel like throughout the day, I'm like jumping through like seven different topics that I'm trying to like each figure out. I don't know. And it's, it, there's too many flavors in the crockpot right now. And uh, it's, see, I it's just, burning my nostrils. it's pretty much all turkeys for me. It's all turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the problem. Unless I'm actively oh, doing something. If I'm thinking, it's going to slip into turkey hunting. That's, that's <laughs> wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah, you know, it's wonderful in some sense, but... Uh, Terrible in others? It's, not, it's just... Co- it's too consuming. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but I mean, uh, it's, I don't regret it, but it's just, that's it's the, just way the way it is. is. Yeah. It's the way it is. I like turkey hunting. Well... Speaking of turkey hunting, I yeah. guess there's the, the question. So Eli and I and Caleb went hunting yesterday. Mm-hmm. and Opening day of turkey season. Opening day of turkey season here in Indiana. It was go. wonderful. It was the full gamut of emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli has hunted a lot of turkeys. Mm-hmm. And so I guess Have I, I killed was, a lot of turkeys? Not a ton. I said hunted. hunted. I chose yeah. my words carefully. Good. Um, Good. Yeah, I'm curious as to what your favorite part of yesterday was. Oh, my favorite part of yesterday? Yes. Um, my favorite part of yesterday was when I was freezing cold because it, I wore one super thin layer and it was snowing out. <laughs> and, uh, and the sun was kept going behind clouds. And I was like, I kept praying, God, Please just let the wind stop and the sun come out, and then it was just all of a sudden the evening, right at the golden hour, right when it's perfect for turkey hunting too. It just the wind stopped, and it got super quiet, and the sun was just shining all gold and warm, and just kind of enveloping me, and I was like, I'm not super super cold right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, God. And then I was just like, wow, this yeah. is so nice. And then I thought about kind of what we talked about yesterday of like, there's just three of us just sitting here not talking right now. That's awesome. We're yeah. literally like shoulder to shoulder and just not saying anything. We haven't said anything for like a half hour. And it's completely acceptable and really good. 
So that was probably the best part. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I loved when you almost got hit by a flying female turkey. It was incredible. Um, Yeah, what was your favorite part of yesterday? Well, almost being hit by a flying turkey and the (laughs) incredible amount of thoughts that went through my mind as that happened. Do I shoot it immediately? Do I not? Is that a man, a woman turkey? Like, I don't, I've never been turkey hunting, right? And so I was very excited. Didn't feel like I was given a lot of information. So they were like, we'll tell you when to shoot. I thought it was going to come in slow. And, <laughs> and a turkey literally flew 10 yards in front of me. And I was like, this is it. This never happened. This, I, I don't know much about hunting, but this seems like it never happened. So I really got to capitalize <laughs> it on doesn't, this It doesn't happen. And so, yeah, I remember Eli talking in the car about like how much fun turkey hunting is compared to deer hunting because there's this like heart in your throat moment but it's elongated typically for yeah. like 30 to 45 yeah. minutes while you're waiting for this tom to come in and uh yeah in that moment heart in throat <laughs> like very alive yeah oh yeah everything all your hunter instincts come um, on yeah i was just whispering loudly Tyne, don't shoot it don't shoot it don't shoot it <laughs> it was great um yeah and then secondarily there's a yeah, later in the afternoon where we were like the three of us shoulder to shoulder sitting in this clump of trees, just like waiting and nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh like this just wonderful silence and jokes and then silence yeah. and like it was just I felt very present. Mm-hmm. And that was uh at times hard to be present. <laughs> to the boringness and then at other times like really incredible and it was like a it was a whole gamut of emotions and i i really enjoyed it welcome to turkey hunting it was good Um, oh gosh felt very encouraged and discouraged and totally Mm -hmm. ignorant and Mm -hmm. very excited and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. all of it so it was it was good yeah we got some gobbles so it kept it interesting but so yeah let's open with a prayer and uh and we'll get started So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Mm. amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you led the Israelites into Babylon, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a Father Harry prayer, and I love it. (laughs) Class. It's just, ugh. Oh, that's a prayer right there. You really got to think on that one. I feel like I have to sit with that one. (laughs) You led the Israelites into Babylon. Amen. Amen. That's all you get. Oh, Um, man. Yes. So I'm going to talk about providence and place. Cool. So, yeah, I guess before we start, I don't really want this to turn into like an authoritative theological Ah, podcast. Uh but we are learning theology. Yep. And so part of learning theology, dear listener, is uh, talking about theology and mm. at times doing it poorly. So yes, uh, as you listen to this, don't expect it to be authoritative. No. <laughs> this is not the so much as to <laughs> inspire thought and conversation. Mm. Um, yes, which you should have figured out by now, but I hope know, so. I like, so. Who knows um, how many heresies we've goodness. proclaimed on this and hopefully gotten past. But yeah. Okay. So in our diocese, 
specifically with our vocation director and uh, actually with Father Peter Marshall, who used to be a, a vocations director mm-hmm. here a while ago. A spiritual director. A Yes, yeah. spiritual director here a while ago. Had this um, concept of a theology of place. Yeah. Um, would you care to explain that? Theology of place is... Uh, it's almost like a... It's an aspect of your vocation, I would say, that goes along with where you are in the world with what you're doing. So like Father Peter's big thing was uh, as a parish priest, like theology of the place place included your parish. Like you're not just a general parish priest. You are at your parish and you have to live your life in relation to God through that place. Or if you're a farmer, you live your life in relation to God through being a farmer on that farm, on yeah. your land with your cows and your crops. Um, yeah. Uh, that good? I mean, you got anything to add to that? Well, I guess the like... Yeah, so it sounds like what it does is it sort of contextualizes everything you do and kind of says that it... Well, not kind of. It says that it has, like, God-given meaning. Yeah. Yeah, right? So It's not just an accident. Yes. So part of, part of how that is, I guess, lived out is as a priest, you're being called to this, like, particular pay, place in a particular time to a particular people. Um, but I don't think that that concept is limited to the priesthood, as you were saying, like it's it's sort of given to all of the vocations, yeah, really just like, yeah, everyone's life. So as a married person, right, that you'd be called to a particular person at a particular place with a particular job um, in a particular community, like all of these particulars that sort of make your call unique, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's just the 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 fact that nothing is meaningless in God's plan for your life. You know, like there's there's no detail that's too small that God's like, I don't care about that. You don't have to care about that either. Like, don't worry about it. And that doesn't mean you have to like worry about everything, but that means that everything in your life can be there to help you live the life that God has called you to live and can support you in that. Like the tree yeah. in your front yeah, yeah, yard. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, how many times can you, like, let's say you're an adult and you you have a small house in a city-ish area, like a suburb, and you have a tree in your front yard, like an apple tree or something. You walk by and you're like, okay, whatever, apple tree, nice. But if you're a kid, (laughs) that apple tree becomes such an adventure. Yeah. And, like, I think that that kind of shows a little bit of how God sees things and uses things. Like, this tree that you're like, "Mm, I don't really care about that. A child can live different lives in, you know, like have yeah. so many adventures and, and see reality from a different point of view because of a tree in your yard. And so like little things like that, they matter. So, yes, I agree. I think, yeah, so I guess I asked the question, theology of place, God mm. has his hand in the in the particulars. Mm. Does that mean he has his hand? Well, I guess let me preface this. 
it seems like a theology of place makes sense when things are going well. Yeah, I would. Yes. Yes. So, does that mean that the theology of place still applies? That God still has a hand? That God like desires when we seem to be in a bad place? I was having this exact thought the other day. Really? I was talking to my little sister, and hey, Lily. Hey, Lily. Shout out. Um, but. Uh, she said, I've been so convinced lately that, um, what'd you say? Like, that where you are is exactly where God needs you to be or wants you to be to receive his grace. Something like that. Sorry if I misquoted you, Lily. But I, th- I was like, yeah, oh man, absolutely. Like, I've definitely felt that in my life. And then after we hung up, I thought about it a little bit more after. I was like, but what if you're really not following God's will? Yeah. What if you're really like, ooh, I know I should be in seminary and I'm getting married? Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Um, But does that mean that God won't use exactly where you are to... to give you the grace you need to God. Because, I mean, we have the ability to reject God's grace. Yeah. So is God still using exactly where you need where you are? Like, God never falls short. He's not like, oh, didn't see you going that way. Ooh, you caught me off guard. I, I didn't prepare that direction for you. That doesn't yeah. seem right. But, is it, like, is it is it all perfect? Or is there times where God's like, no, look around. <laughs> Nothing is good. Move. Um, Why are you in this place? Yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I've had that. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I can see it going both ways, really. Yeah. Yeah. Both ways in terms of, like, that God does particularly well for or desire maybe not particularly well yeah, that sounds, sounds like, like a very loaded term sounds like we're slaves um that god desires a particular maybe he has like ideal eli yeah and then there's like actual eli yeah and sometimes it seems like actual eli actually matches up with what god desires of mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and other times it seems as though I'm making all these hand motions. You can't see them. So yeah, I, there's a lot of angulation. Um, there's going angulation. On. <laughs> it's actually time lapse. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there's some times where it seems like you're actually sort of matching up with how God envisioned you, and other times where you're actually like heading in a different direction. Yeah. Um, Which doesn't mean God can't work with, it and that God won't work with it, because it's not like you know God sees. You know, it is like God sees everything in the eternal present. So he sees everything at once, and we can't comprehend it. You know, it's not like God knows the future. It's that, in a sense, there's almost no future to God. But at the same time, there is, because we experience future. Yeah. This is what happens when you're try, trying to think like God. It, uh, But it just goes to show we can't comprehend it. Yeah. So, you know, God works with Eli that's not on the path to ideal Eli. And he works with that well. But, you know, I, so it, this, this topic makes me think of a time when I was in college, and I think it was my senior year, and I was walking up, I walked up to the Catholic Center, and 
I, I grabbed the door handle to walk in and I stopped. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I just realized, I, I knew like I could hear people inside laughing, having a good time. And I, I had been there for you know, like a year and a half and it was just so good. And I remember stopping, holding onto the handle and thinking, everything in my life has led me to this point. Mm. Like mm-hmm. Everything got me here. And even looking back, I can see ways where it was hinted at in my life yeah. before. Yeah. Just like that I never could have called that like this is what would happen, but looking back and be like God being like, Yeah, I got you. Look, I was with you the whole time. Um, and I think that that's true, but I think in a lot of ways I was I was striving very much to live the best life I could and to discern God's will for my life. So would it have been that same experience if instead of grabbing the, the doorknob uh, or to the to the Catholic Center, I was walking, you know, like into a bar to go be an alcoholic because I'm an alcoholic because I've really rejected what God wanted me to do in my life and I'm just, you know, living this terrible, debaucherous life. You know, could I have grabbed the handle of the bar and been like, everything in my life has led me to this point and have it be true? Because that's not where God's leading me. Hmm. <laughs> let's uh, let's try and ground this a little bit. Okay. Um, so a theology of place is, is where we started. Yep. So seeing God in a place, really what I think it ultimately comes to, and, and what you were sort of hinting at was, uh, I think in a conversion experience, typically, or maybe it's an existential experience, I call it a, a moment of supreme presence, mm. where it seems like the moment you are currently in is all that's happening, Yeah. right? Um, and so when you're like, door handle grab, it's like, and we, and we talked about this in a previous podcast on time, right? Yeah. Where the past and the future and the now sort of like almost squished together yep. and became this like right now. Yeah. Um, almost like the beatific vision. Beatific. Beatific vision. <laughs> Man, I'll just do the rest of the podcast like that. <laughs> I got that again today with... The, isn't that guy from Mobile? He should have an accent. In <laughs> <laughs> visions. Um, yeah, where it kind of squishes together and then all of a sudden you have this like, almost this vision as God sees things, right? Yeah. Like, for, I, I, I would almost say that like, in that moment, Eli gets to see in the mind of God, Eli. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a pretty incredible thing. Yeah. Um, so a theology of place, I think, ultimately would point to how is it that God is being present now and where I am? And I think if I've discerned where I'm supposed to be now well, kind of, I guess, hierarchically, right? So, wow, this is, this is really abstract. Um, how do I... I'm floundering, Eli. This is how this goes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, I mean, I, are you are you trying to say that if you've discerned well, then the theology of the place, like, functions properly? Yes. 
So like it, it could it leads you onward in where you are closer in your relationship to God. But if you haven't discerned well, but I don't no, think that's yeah, true. No, I don't yeah, think that's I don't true. Because yeah, I was listening to Bishop Barron the other day, and he was talking about Jordan Peterson. It was a great podcast, um, and he was talking about how God has you coming and going. Have you heard that before? No. Like, he has you coming towards him, right? Yeah, yeah. But he also has you as you turn away. Um, has so, in the sense of, like, holding you. Yeah, so, away. like, he, well, not only that he's holding you, but, like, even in your turning away, it's still pointed at God. So he uh, was making the point in the, in the podcast that, like, you, I guess in your alcoholic example, debauchery, right, yep. in your debauchery, um, grabbing the handle to the next bar on your bar tour, um, like even there that God has you and, and actually like your lecherousness or whatever is really a, a search for God. Definitely. Um, yeah, see in that, that makes sense to me of like, yeah, even if you're not in the right place, it almost isn't any different, you know, like, cause if you're doing everything God wants, there still has to be this motion. Like we, we're a people in motion. We're pilgrims on journey yeah. where we constantly have to be going towards God. We're just at a different stage of that journey, really. Whereas if you're really turned away from God, running from God, God is still using everything around you to pull you towards himself. He's giving you all the grace necessary to head towards him. And so, like, it's really not like you're getting pulled in a different direction. It's not like, oh, you have to be turned around even almost. It's like this, like, uh, I mean, it's some kind of like a Mario Kart side jump with a speed <laughs> boost. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you thought you were about to go off the track, but, like, bam, there's a jump there, and now you're back on the track. And you didn't turn around. You're just, you know, this is a different way to go through the track hmm it always comes back to Mario Kart so I guess like I guess what I would like to know yeah. is what do you think understanding God's will for your particular place looks like how do we how do we get to a point where we uh, are doing God's will what does that look like for you? Doing God's will in terms of a theology of place. Um, yeah, so how, how are you satisfied that your place right now is as a seminarian of Burlington, Vermont, who goes to St. Meinrad Seminary? Like, yeah, that's how a are lot of very particular that? place. Um, Who's in first theology. And, it's in first you know. theology. Who's from a dairy farm. Uh, um, how am I satisfied with that? Who's from a big family. You know, like, yeah. there's a lot of... There's a lot of layers there. There's a lot and how, of layers there. How do you sort of reconcile and it's, those and layers? And it's perfect because, like, when I look at those layers, what, you know, maybe I'll get a little in a second, but, like, when I look at those layers, I'm not like, man, ugh, so many layers. Why? I wish I wasn't a farmer. I'm like, man, perfect. This is, this is how God is forming me into the man that he wants me to be, into hopefully the priest that he wants me to be. But how do you figure that out? I would say the biggest thing, uh, when I talk about discernment, 
like I have a discernment group right now with guys back in the diocese. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I try and stress with them because it's been stressed with me, uh, and it makes all the difference is discernment in any situation. You know, a lot of times we throw out discernment as like, oh, he's discerning. Like, yeah, obviously he's discerning. Like, he's like, trying to be a good Catholic man. But people assume that means, like, oh, he's trying to become a priest. Or he's thinking about the priesthood. Yeah. But, like, you know, if you're single and thinking you should be married, you know, you're discerning. Everything is discernment. There's always going to be discernment. If you're married, you have to discern things. But anyways. <laughs> uh, a little Sounds side like ring. that uh, topic before. Yeah. It just it annoys me that priesthood is the only vocation that people think you need to discern yeah it's like no every aspect of every day in your life should be discerned if you're doing it well now it doesn't okay no side okay we gotta get back on track i mean it's it's related to what we're talking about it's related like but so what i what i really emphasize because it's changed it for me is that it's not about discerning Okay, uh, am I like going to be a priest? Am yeah. I supposed to be at St. Meinrad? Am I supposed to be for the Diocese of Burlington, Vermont? Should I be a Franciscan? Should, it's like, okay, yes, those are, those are things that you need to figure out. But they need to be discerned through where is Jesus? Where is he calling me? Like when I think yeah. of discernment, the image that comes to my mind is the apostles in the ship tossed on the waves and Jesus coming to them on the water. And in my mind, Jesus is just so calm, doesn't even care that there's huge waves. The apostles think they're going to die. Literally, they're all afraid they're going to die. These are fishermen that have spent their whole lives on the ocean, or not <laughs> ocean, the sea. Yeah. You know, this isn't just a little storm. They're afraid they're going to die. Jesus is just walking up to them like, oh, hey, guys. Hey, don't be afraid. <laughs> and yep. then Peter, Peter says, Lord, if it is truly you, call me out to you. Call me out onto the waters. And to me, discernment is when, when Jesus says, come. Just like imagine the sound of a storm like that, of like the waves and the water and the wind and probably men like screaming and crying mm-hmm. And the, just the terror in your own mind, listening for that come from Jesus, that's what discernment is about. That is where you know, like, because he's drawing you out in the right direction. And you don't have to worry necessarily. You do have to figure it out. You know, there's a really realistic aspect to it. But, like, you don't have to worry about, like, where's my next step? Like, your next step is on the water. That's crazy. Yeah. That's cra- yeah. Like, that's not somewhere you expect Peter Peter didn't think he could walk on water before, but he had faith that when he took that step out and he started walking, and then he looked around at everything else, and that's when he got terrified and he started to fall, and Jesus was there. You know, Jesus didn't abandon him. But so discernment is about seeing, it, it's above all about being in love with God, about loving Christ and answering his call. And the particulars come secondarily to that. The particulars are the stepping stones. But if you're not listening for the call of Jesus with the love of your heart, then you're not going to be able to find where you're supposed to go because you're looking at the water. You're staring at the water and saying, do I go there? 
Mm, and Jesus yeah. is standing out 20 yards like, no, you come here. So this is, this is that's awesome. Uh, so what you're saying is, right, that a theology of place comes first actually from looking at God. Yeah. And the place is secondary. But it's in looking at God that the place, like, finds its meaning. Yeah. Which is so fascinating because, like, what does really the majority of our peers' lives look like, right? Like it's, well, not our peers, maybe, our generation's lives. Yeah. Um, what kind of job do I have? Where am I going to live? What do I drive? Who are my friends? What who, do I do on the weekends? Who am like, I going to be married to? All of it is is place, 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 place. Yep. But none of it is actually like grounded in God. Yeah. Right? So the place all of a sudden is the focus, but it's the end. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is, wow, that's just like mind boggling, right? Yeah. Um, because I think we think, uh, I think we think, we think about place all the time. All the time. And we're trying as, uh, we're trying to like, I don't know, piece together this sort of perfect place as though it's going to be like, we're trying to make our own little heavens, you know? Um, yes. And I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah, that's actually... Uh, have you ever read Frankenstein? No. Okay, so me and Lily just listened to Frankenstein on our drive home for Easter. And then that's actually what I called her and talked to her about um, when we were talking about... Yeah. Really? When we were okay. talking about yeah. Theology of the Place. But what I was talking about, for anyone who has read Frankenstein, if you haven't, I highly suggest it. Very, very good novel. But uh, it's written very weirdly, where the opening of the book is these letters from this captain who's trying to make it to the North Pole. Uh, and then he, like, picks up this stranger who is Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. And Frankenstein tells him his story about, you know, bringing dead flesh to life. And when I, re- I was like, why is it written like this? It doesn't make any sense. Why not just tell the story? Yeah. And then I kind of realized that she kind of makes it clear that the story is given as a warning to the captain because he's trying to find paradise. He thinks when he gets to the North Pole, he just mentions oh, it offhand, that it's going to be a place where the sun never sets and everything is perfect. Yeah. So he's trying to create his own paradise, but hmm. he's trying to do it, and he talks about all of the effort he's put in to get there. And Frank, Dr. Frankenstein says, if you keep going on this path, it'll make you end up like I ended up, and he tells his whole story of woe. Beautifully written. But I I was thinking about it. I was like, Mary Shelley was trying to warn humanity about trying to work for our our paradise by our own, uh, like, merit, our own effort. Like, our human, our person, my own personal human ability will earn me this earthly paradise. Hmm. And her, the way she portrays it is, if you try and do that, it will make you the most miserable person in the world. Over and over again, Dr. Frankenstein says, I am the most miserable wretch in the world. Over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's like, she makes it very clear. You can't do it. It will backfire. And I think the same goes for theology of place. If you try and build your own paradise by your own power, it's it's going to end badly, you know? And maybe not even in the sense that, like, things were terrible. But, like, you know, 
I just think sometimes I think about like, <laughs> well, no, I'll say it. Sometimes I think about <laughs> the idea of like, just uh, like having a home and a regular job and like not being a priest. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> I love the idea of having a family and a home and stuff like that. But um, like, I can imagine if you tried to build your own place, your own paradise. Like, what if you got it? It would be very You don't think you can do that as a priest? I think you can do that as a priest. You're right. Ooh. Yep, watch out for that, <laughs> priest. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I just I think, think I'm called to be yeah, a priest, so I think, to, it's, yeah. I think it's easier to see for me, like, oh, that would be bad for me because I know once I reach what I thought I wanted, I'd be like, ooh, shoot, this isn't good enough. You. This yeah, isn't good enough. Yeah. Um, whereas I really think I'm called to be a priest, and I'm really not worried at all about ne- not being satisfied. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's uh, that's beautiful. I mean, because it, yeah, I think it puts to words that place is somehow both supremely meaningful and supremely meaningless at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So you have to, like, contextualize it, right? So it's supremely meaningful when it's in the context of you participating in God's, like, plan Mm. through discernment, right? And supremely meaningless when it's all you have. At least, yeah, would you agree with that? Yeah, when it becomes the end. When it becomes the end. Because your place has to be... Everything, everything should lead you closer to God. Same with marriage. If your spouse is the end of your pursuit of good life, well, it's probably not going to work out because she's not God, you know? Um, So I guess when we say it's not going to work out, it's because we're going to be expecting perfection from it, and it just can't give that. I don't know right? about perfection because like, I think people see that, like, yeah, obviously it's not perfect. Obviously she's not perfect. This place isn't perfect. This job isn't perfect. But they expect satisfaction. Hmm. They expect being able to say, this is good enough and meaning it. And you can trick yourself into that for a while. But, you know, it's like, I think I brought this up before. <laughs> um, but there. There was a priest in a Russian gulag who was one of two priests in Russia at the time, I'm pretty sure. And he was chained to the floor of his cell. Mm. And the guard was walking out from beating him. And he looks at the guard. The guard turns back and looks at him. He looks at the guard and says, I am the one who is free and you are imprisoned. What? Yeah. And like that... (laughs) That guy had his priorities straight because his freedom wasn't about not being in prison. His freedom about was being about living his life as a gift to God. Yeah. That guard had nothing but, I don't know, passions and government and things that will always fall short. And he was a slave to it. Yeah. So I guess that's interesting in the sense that like, it follows too that it doesn't matter if the place is bad. Yeah. That it can still. Yeah. That in the context of God, like 
going back to our coming and going. That you could be in a supremely suffering-filled place and that it still be a wonderful place. Yeah. Because God is the end. The thing about like St. Francis. Yeah. Gave up everything and became a beggar and was supremely satisfied. Yeah. Was filled with joy. Converted who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people, especially now if you go down to see what the Franciscans have done, like millions of people. And his place was like cold and wet Mm. and Mm -hmm. pretty much (laughs) nothing desirable but God. So, yeah, I think that you can have a supremely satisfying theology of place in a place that is not humanly uh, desirable, I guess. Yeah. Which is a crazy thing about (laughs) our faith. It's incredible. If you can say, like, I I am here and it is not good, but I can... I can say that this is where God is calling me to be right now. But I'd actually rather, I would actually rather not be anywhere else. Yeah. Like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Goodness, that's the way to say that. There's nowhere I'd rather be. That's incredibly, yeah, just powerful. So. Yeah. Yes. This but, is good. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's got to be discerned, though, is the thing. Like, <laughs> for example... Just by selling all of your stuff and being poor on a on the street as a beggar, if that's not what called God has called you to do, is not going to be satisfying. Yeah, you know, that's like what people all the time ask me, like, yeah, but aren't you afraid of not having a family and not being married? I'm like, I used to be, but I have found that nothing satisfies me as much as God. So if I truly think that this is where God is is loving me to be, mm-hmm. then why would I be unsatisfied? What more could I ask for? So how do we be satisfied in the places where it seems really just, where it seems like we're sort of transitioning between two milestones, mm. you know? I think <laughs> I had a very wonderful priest, uh, but he was my college chaplain, and then eventually vocations director. Uh, he used to, all the time, I would, I would tell him like, oh, you know, I'm like, I don't know what's going on with my life. I don't know what I want, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is really hard. I feel like I don't know who I am. And he would always just go, hmm, that sounds like a good place to be. And I was like, no, Stop it, it is not a good yeah. place to be. Yeah. But I, then usually, or at least one time he said, because now you have nothing but to trust in God. It's your only option. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess that makes it a good place. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that, you know, when you're you're in these places of transition, you're like, you know, trying to figure something out, don't know, to understand that that's a good place to be. Yeah. Not And to really understand, like I said earlier, we're a people in journey. And you're never going to be like where you're supposed to be finally like even if you're really like you know you're married you have kids you have the house that you're going to be in for the rest of your life you don't just stop like there's this constant sense of transition we're constantly being turned more and more towards and into christ so 
But also, what would life be without the transitions, right? Like, uh, yeah. What would it be if you got everything immediately? It'd be like a GPS giving you all the directions all at once for a 10-hour trip. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what a trip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a trip. Uh, could you uh, say that again, GPS? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I, I think that transition is a wonderful place to be, but partially because it's a hard place to be. Mm. You know? That you have to be okay with being in the hard place. Yeah, right? absolutely. So. Well, I could, like, this year has been the hardest year of seminary, not necessarily academic-wise, but, like, just life-wise out of my three years. And I can absolutely say this has been the best year of seminary formation I've yeah. had in my three years. Yeah. Because it's been hard. Yeah, I agree And I think that. that that applies everywhere. Like, when, once you're through it, you can see it. It's the ability to be able to be at peace when you're in it that really and is still good push through it right and yeah. not yeah yeah there's well, a, maybe this isn't my place you know maybe yeah it's a... there's an incredible book by father jacques philippe called searching for searching for and maintaining interior so peace no, searching for and maintaining peace searching for and maintaining peace. yeah it's not because interior freedom's the other one. Oh, you're right yeah, you're right yeah, i got yeah. it. okay searching for and maintaining peace yeah um that's what got me to seminary really oh so short, it, like he's he's got these little chapters, so good. But if you're if you're trying to discern anything, get yourself with that little copy Amen. of that book. Um, I'll send you a copy of it. <laughs> email yeah, us. Email you, me. We I'll will you buy copy. you copies. Seriously. Um. Yeah. That is not a joke. Questions at wonderingwonders.com. Yeah, that is I not will, a joke. I will send you a copy. We will we will uh, make it happen because it's yeah. worth it. Because if more people read that book, we could have a better and world. Holier people. So. Yep. Alrighty. Yeah, I think we'll. So yeah, wonder about this week. Uh, wonder about where you are, and why God has called you there, and where God is calling you. I guess discern. I guess wonder about how it is that God has called you where you are. Okay, that's a and whether one. or not you are actually listening to where He's calling mm-hmm. you to be. So, because He is calling you to be where you are right now, but where is He calling you to next? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. thank you for listening to a very wondering. Wander. <laughs> Very wandering and, uh, wonder. You know? Uh, May all your wonders be blessed. Uh, hey, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>